Welcome to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast, where we share illuminating stories and knowledge to inform, educate, inspire and empower you in the areas of business, health, finance, philanthropy, art, and entrepreneurship, designed to help you achieve your goals. And now here is your host, Desiree Stanley. Welcome everyone to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Stanley. And with me today is Ashlyn Haddon. She's the CEO and owner of Ashlyn Haddon Insurance. And I'm so thrilled that you're here today. And we were chatting a little bit before we started. Now, insurances maybe aren't the sexiest topic, but they are so important. And so Ashlyn is here today to, to share some great information with us. Welcome, Ashlyn. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's just jump right in because I want to know what drew you to insurance? Like, how did that begin for you? Was it something like that you went through something and you're like, I want to help other people? What was it that kind of prompted you to get into the insurance industry? Yeah, I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says, I want to sell insurance. <laughs> so I kind of got thrown into the insurance industry. I was a banker and a branch manager in my first career. And I was just kind of tired of it. And I was moving from the Chicagoland area back home. And one of my girlfriends worked for a company and she's like, hey, you should sell insurance. And I was like, hey, no, I shouldn't. Not interested. And she's like, well, if you at least apply and you get interviewed, I get a bonus. So would you just at least go through the process so I could get my bonus? And I was like, fine, everybody needs a little bit of experience, you know, interview. And it had been a long time since I had to interview. So I did it. And the gentleman who interviewed me said that this was a man's industry and that those men would outsell you every day. So it was like, I'll take the job and I'll prove you wrong. And I got into insurance. So I didn't, I honestly, I didn't get into it on purpose. I kind of just fell into it. Wow, that's a great starting point because so many people transition, right? Somewhere in life, a curveball gets thrown, like you had to move. So you're sort of thinking, like, I'm really kind of ready to move on to something else anyway. And then this opportunity came up. And so it sounds like there was a bit of a challenge and sort of like a gauntlet thrown there for you. Totally. And you're like, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to show you. And and that's what you've done for sure. So tell us about the services that you provide and like your kind of target market. Who is it that you're helping to make sure that their assets are protected? So when I first started in the industry, I was doing home, auto, life insurance, business insurance, more like mom and pop type of stuff. So that's what I built my career on. And then I had a customer call me and they were selling on Amazon mm. and they needed some insurance. And I was like, I didn't even know there were third party sellers on Amazon. I thought Amazon sold everything on Amazon. So I basically mm -hmm. said, hey, nobody knows what third party sellers are doing. The insurance companies don't like online retailers. I don't have the time to figure this out. I don't know anything about it. Could you please just... Like, go find someone else. Mm. And he didn't listen. And thank God he didn't listen because he came back and he's like, okay, I I've tried. You're my agent. You have my home, auto, and life insurance. Please just help me. 
And so I ended up talking to a couple of carriers and it was probably a good two months before a carrier was like, all right, I'll give you a shot with this. And I was able to issue the policy and he came back and he's like, hey, I'm in this Facebook group and we have 15,000 of us that are going to need this insurance. Can I post your information? And I was like, hmm, maybe it's worth my time now. And it was really just phone call after phone call of these online sellers who nobody would talk to, nobody would listen to, nobody would help, nobody would give them the time of day. And they were just like the redheaded stepchildren. I kind of fell in love and I got asked to speak at one of my first e-commerce conferences. And I walked out of there and I was like, that's it. I'm done. This is, this is where my heart is. This is where my passion is, is with business owners. And so we've really, for the last six years, have a really, really good niche in e-commerce and brand owners and those people selling on Amazon, eBay, Wayfair, Jet, you know, all of these online platforms and really helping kind of move them through the process with their home auto life insurance and things like that too. So it's been an interesting six years for sure. And it sounds like such a great learning experience, right? Just for the sellers and for you as the agent trying to navigate how this works because, you know, the e-commerce and the Amazon space with the insurances, it was just like, you know, dust bowl. There was just nothing. Nobody knew anything about what was supposed to happen. And, you know, it's great that you just stepped up and figured it out. So talk about working with the company that was actually the insurance provider. Like, mm -hmm. what was that process like? Did they make it really difficult for you as the agent to get your clients, you know, kind of onboarded? What was that like? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that insurance is all about risk, right? We take everybody's risk, we pull it together, everybody puts their premiums in a bucket, and then that's how they pay claims. Well, we had car insurance forever, we have home insurance forever, we had life insurance forever. Insurance companies know that. They know that a man is going to be more expensive than a girl because men drive worse. Or we know that a house with brick is going to be more expensive than a vinyl house. They have all that actuarial data. When we come to e-commerce and online retail, there's no data because there wasn't a policy for it. So I think the biggest struggle for me was just getting them to say, okay, we'll take on this risk. And they didn't know how to price it. We didn't know how to rate for it. So really the last five years has kind of been just ups and downs. The great thing is we've got such a powerful buying structure now because we do so much of this is that I have an amazing influence on them. So I can go to them and be like, okay, this is what we need today. <laughs> and it's working. So now we're six years into this. They trust me and they believe me and they come to me for questions. And I say, okay, you know, here's what's going on in the industry. And these are the things that we need. And they're really starting to listen. So I think getting them to listen was the hardest part. But now we kind of have this amazing community that kind of rallies around each other and gets them protected for what they need. Well, that's excellent. And so when you're working with your clients to help them, what is it that you're saying, like, this is what you should be doing to protect your inventory, your business, your building, you know, whatever, because I'm sure you yeah. are kind of covering all of that. Yeah, I think not just for online retailers, but all of our clients, you know, home auto in our businesses too, is really getting to know 
our clients. You need to know what they're doing, how they're sourcing, what they're selling, where their inventory is. If it's a mom and pop shop, do they have fryers? Do they use forklifts? Like what are they actually doing? And then building a policy around that. In the insurance field, you can see online, there's hundreds, thousands of insurance companies out there. There's hundreds of thousands of brokers out there. And really the thing that sets us apart is, is us. How do we get to know our clients and have that personal attention with our clients? So I really think that's the biggest thing is yeah. knowing what they're doing and listening to them to figure out what the best policy is. Right. And that's what I was going to say is that you probably have detailed conversations with your clients to see what their needs are. And like you said, are you using forklifts? Are you doing this or, or that? And how can we help cover you? And right. so it sounds like you're really taking the time to get to know what their business is and what they're doing to help them. And I love that. Yeah. I also, love getting to know all of our clients. Like we, we've we got clients who have grandbabies and we're sending congratulation cards and, you know, 16-year-old kids who get their first cars and things like that. So it's really, I'm a relationship type of person. I love, this is what I love about my job is I get to build those relationships and learn about our customers. And that makes such a difference, I think. You're really going to give them the best service when you have that connection with them, that you know how you can help them in the future. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit now about how you're staying on top of what is happening in the industry and like what you can be doing to help your clients going forward. Yeah, I think it kind of goes into a couple of buckets with our online retailers. The biggest thing that I can do to make sure that I'm staying on top of what's going on is being at the conferences. I typically go to 10 to 15 a year. I sit in through the education. I'm learning what they're doing, how they're sourcing, that kind of stuff. So I like to say, I like to know what you know, but not do what you do. I could not be an online seller, <laughs> but I like to listen and figure out what's going on in the industry that way. Another big thing is like just being involved in professional organizations. And then we have a group of insurance agency owners and really just being able to bounce ideas off each other and say like, here's what's working. Here's the problems I'm having with my staff, or here's problems that I'm having getting coverage for this $32 million house. And they have 17 cars that are worth $6 million, you know, whatever, like being able to bounce those ideas off of each other. So having that support system for other people in the community who are going through the same things, I think is huge too. Oh, for sure. And you mentioned traveling to the conferences a lot. And I know that you have a couple of sons and they are like early <laughs> teens, I think. They both have birthdays coming up. So they will be eight and 11. So not quite to teens yet. Not but yet. Oh, what is it Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm not ready for that. I know. It's, it comes faster than you think. But so going to all of these different conferences, what is it like then for your boys? Do they have a chance to go with you to any of these? You know, are you kind of like more of a homebody or do you enjoy traveling? What's that like for you? I absolutely love traveling and I love trying new things and going new places. If I could just pick up the boys and homeschool them forever and just travel the world. I think that would be great. They are in a divorced home right now. So we do have joint custody. So I get them for a week on and then a week off. So I try to just travel the week that I don't have the kids and the kids are with their dad. 
So that works really, really great for our co-parenting. But I do try to do a little bit for the ones that would be interesting for them. They've gotten to come to a couple, but not all of them because it is very hard for me to like be single mom and have the kids with me. They've got to come to two, maybe a few more in the future once they get a little bit older. Sure. And so do they have an opportunity to sit in and listen to the speakers as well? Or are they just kind of hanging with you? They just were hanging. So I took them to Vegas once for one of the conferences and they got to go to like the Hershey place and the Eminem place. So they're not really interested in what I'm doing yet, but they sure love to like see my logo. We sponsor a lot of community events. They'll be like, hey, there's mom. Hey, there's mom. Or somebody will have a sticker or something. They're like, that's my mom. So they love to see that part of it, but they don't care about insurance yet. (laughs) I love that. That's so cute. They're so proud of you and what you're doing is amazing. I love it. And really, it makes sense for their age that insurance is probably not what's really interesting them at this time. Perhaps video games right now. (laughs) I believe it. So let's talk a little bit about then, since you were mentioning some challenges you know, balancing this. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you handle that? And like, what is really the key to making that work for you? I think the biggest challenge is, I don't know how, not that I don't know how to say no, but I really, let's just go deep. Okay, here we go. When I was young, my mom was very, very involved with us in the school and she didn't work. And she was like the stay-at-home mom and she was the room mom and PTO and very, very involved with everything that we did. And she had always said that it's hard to be a working mother. So I think growing up, once I had my kids, is I'm always trying to say like, hey, I can do this. I can be a working mom. I can be a CEO and I can still be a good mom and a working mom. But I think now the struggle is trying to prove a little bit that I can do all of that. I overcommit myself a little. I am PTO board president. I'm on the board of directors at their football and baseball and, you know, run a business and I substitute teach at their school sometimes. So I think just overcommitment a little bit, but I have every other week without them. So I feel like I have the time to do it. And I'm not one to kind of just sit around and do nothing. If I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm not being useful. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I think that it's awesome that, especially while they're younger, that you're so involved in what they're doing. It makes a huge difference for them to see you being a part of all of that. So I love it. I think it's awesome. And you're right. It's, it is a balance. So on those times when, you know, they aren't there, you maybe work a little harder, right? You spend a little bit more time working on the business and that side of it. They would play a lot. So yeah, yeah. That's awesome. We did, you know, the the video game or the the new movie and went to the farm and got to ride horses and quads and things like that. So really taking the time to spend with them when they are there and giving them my undivided attention when they're there. And then the work can wait a little bit more to the week that I go with them. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk now a little bit about some of the let's say horror stories that you've maybe (laughs) encountered with some of the maybe lacking in the policy, like not having a policy, or it maybe just wasn't covered enough. I'm sure you've got some horror stories. So if you want to share something. Sure. I like to tell the story because it just shows that don't want insurance until they need insurance. 
So mm-hmm. I had a client come to me and they had a warehouse and they wanted to insure the warehouse and the inventory in their warehouse. I give him a quote and he's like, well, I think I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. I'm not ready to fork that out yet. And I was like, okay, but don't come crying to me. Well, it wasn't, does really happen, not even six months later. And he's like, hey, I was moving some racking around and there was a pipe in the way. So I was diverting the pipe around the racking and I came in the next day and there's four inches of water all the way around my warehouse. And Mm -hmm. I have like $600,000 worth of inventory that's four inches underneath the water. Can I go ahead and get that insurance now? I was like, no, I can't insure something that's already happened. If you would have bought the policy back then, absolutely, I could have, but I can't now. So, I mean, it was close to $700,000 from the inventory and having to like redo the, the piping and redo all the walls and things like that. And he's like, man, I really wish I would have spent the $3,200 and just bought the policy. Yeah. So moral of the story is I can't insure a burning building. You have to have insurance before the claim. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I think that it's kind of human nature. We're just like, well, let's just wait and see. I'm sure everything will be fine. And then it's not fine. And now you're kind of in trouble. So a little bit of advanced preparation in just about everything usually makes it smoother down the line. Right. So when you say, yeah, let's get you insured, it's probably a good idea to go. All right. I think I should do that. Right. If you're going to be a business, act like a business. Buy insurance. You wouldn't drive around without car insurance. Well, some people do, but most people don't. (laughs) That's right. That's a great point too. Act like a business. If you're going to be in business, act like a business. It sometimes is a big bite to chew all of that when you're talking about the money that's required to launch a business, but you're protecting yourself in the long run, right? Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we kind of had a little bit sort of a similar experience, not so much with the flooding, but with not having insurance on our products. And we had an issue that happened. And, you know, now we've gotten it settled. And thankfully, it was not anywhere near 700,000. But, you know, at the time, we were just like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be Mm -hmm. fine. And it wasn't. But we're getting out of it now. And so that's okay. We've gotten insurance, so we're covered moving forward. And it's just one of those lessons learned. I think one of the, a big thing that we hear a lot is customers are like, well, you know, I don't sell anything risky, right? Like mm. I sell a stuffed animal or I sell a stapler, whatever it is. You don't have to be selling anything risky and you don't really even have to be doing anything wrong to be pulled into that lawsuit. Mm. Uh, another story that I like to share just to show you how stupid people can be is somebody bought something online it was shipped usps and the gentleman opened the door tripped over the box broke his hip and broke his clavicle well he sued usps he sued amazon and he sued my third-party seller my third-party seller has no recourse over this dude tripping over a box but it's 40 some thousand dollars in just legal fees to get his name dropped from the lawsuit So you don't have to be doing anything wrong to be pulled into a lawsuit. You don't have to be selling anything risky for somebody to trip over a box. You don't have to be selling anything risky for somebody to get hurt or say they got hurt on your item. And now you're in a lawsuit and you're going to have to defend yourself. 
Yeah. That's such a great point that you brought up because who would have ever thought that the gentleman's box that, you know, was an item that this customer wanted and it was delivered and now he's getting sued for no reason whatsoever other than the box that was sitting there. And who would think that that would even be possible? And $40,000 in legal fees. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah. That's just, that's just too much. Oh, goodness. Well, okay. So let's now talk about what we can do to protect ourselves. So we know it's that we need to get, right. We need to get insured. And so what, how do we do that? Like, what's the best way to go about that? And like, how do you learn about what you need? Because you don't know what you don't know. Oh, no. Yeah. And everybody loves to read the 172 pages of documents that you get with your insurance policy, right? <laughs> totally. Well, the biggest thing is you've got to find um, a broker. I'm not a huge fan of a captive agent because they have one product and one choice. And you get to know your clients. You get to know your agent. And we all know insurance companies raise rates, right? It's just it's part of the game. So you leave that company and then your agent's gone. So I'm huge on a brokerage firm. Because then you guys create that relationship. You have that knowledge of your customers and that customer has the knowledge of you. And when the insurance company does what it does, you just divorce that insurance company and you move on to a different insurance company. So I'd say the first thing is to find a broker that you trust. The second thing is to be honest with that broker. Make sure you're telling them exactly what you're doing, giving them all of the information. Let's talk about like personal lines right now. If you have a home and auto, but you forget to tell your agent that you also have a quad and a dirt bike that you let your kids and friends drive and they don't put that on your policy, what happens if that person gets hurt on your property? So, I mean, I definitely think making so that you could talk to that agent and be completely upfront and honest with that agent so they can protect you the right way. And then I'd say my third tip is making sure that you know what you're buying. I have a lot of clients who have you know, $500 deductibles on their car. And I asked them, like, are you going to turn in a claim for $505? And they're like, no, I would never turn in a claim for $500. Then why do you have a deductible at 500 bucks? You're paying more to have a deductible that low. And if you never turn in a claim, you're just wasting your money. So know what you're buying, I guess is my third tip. So have a good brokerage company. Make sure you're honest with that brokerage company and know what you're buying. That's such a great point about the deductibles too, because so rarely do we think about that, but we're like in our mind, we just assume, oh, I should probably only have like this $500 deductible that like makes no sense because if I have to pay something, it's just, you know, above $500 or whatever. And, you know, but you're right. You're paying more ultimately in your monthly payment with that deductible being so low. So that is such a great point. If you just increase that deductible, you reduce your monthly payment, right? Right. Great point. Yeah, thank you for sharing those. And about the point on the quads and your kids or your kids' friends or your friends riding those on your property, that's an excellent point. The injuries happen on those all the time, right? And so if those aren't covered, what's going to happen? We had one last year. My client was an attorney with this. And he had his son's friend over and they were out riding the quads. The little kid ran into the tree and he sliced like right under his thigh and had to be airlifted. And he called me from the airplane. He's like, I can't just come back. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And it was like, yes, 
it's covered because we had this conversation about you having a quad. Do you remember me telling you not to let anybody ride it? And he's like, yeah, but, but I did. And I was like, you're fine. You've got a million dollars in coverage. You're fine. Go be with your son and go with, be with your son's family. And so he talks about it all the time. He's like, I called her on a Sunday from the helicopter. She answered the phone and reassured me that everything was fine. That's the difference of having an agent who knows you and an agent who you're just a number with. Yeah. Fantastic point for sure. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness that they were covered for that. That's, that's just like so frightening, but, but they were covered. So I love it. Thank you for sharing that story. So I want to talk a little bit more about the conferences and the shows that you go to, because you're pretty well known in the Amazon e-commerce space because of going to all these shows. And so have you had an opportunity to speak more frequently now since that one you mentioned? Yeah, I typically speak eight, eight to 10-ish a year. So it's been really, I love it. That's my passion. If I could, you know, travel the world and just speak across the nation, I think that's what I would do. I would leave my agency in good hands with the women who work for me. But I, I really enjoy educating business owners and educating people on their risks, how we mitigate those risks, how to like minimize their exposures and their and their potential losses. So yeah, that's I love it. I would do tons more of it if I could. So let's talk a little bit about the speaking engagements. And was that something that came naturally to you? Or have you found that over time it's gotten easier? I have always enjoyed speaking. Back in high school, I was part of this club, I guess, (laughs) that was called FCCLA, Family and Community Leaders of America. And we got to speak on stage all the time. So they taught us how to speak, how to sit, all of this kinds of things. So I think that came naturally to me. I enjoy speaking to larger crowds than a smaller crowd. I've always enjoyed it. That's cool. And it sounds like you have that experience from when you were in high school that sort of made it easier for you to really get up on stage and talk to those groups of people. That's excellent. Absolutely. I was never the one that shied away in high school. You had to give speeches. Never. You had no problem with that part of it. In front of somebody, it's okay. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit more about the point that you just brought up about educating people. And so when you're working with your clients, it sounds like, That's a huge part of it. And you were talking about mitigating risk. And so let's talk about that. What does that mean exactly? And how are you communicating that with your clients? Yeah, and the biggest thing that we kind of do is like a risk assessment as we're going through this process. And again, I I know I keep saying like, know your business, but we need to know what they're doing. So let's take an e-commerce seller, for example. They're using a third-party logistics company. So somebody who's bringing in those products repackaging them and shipping them out. You know, we talk about, is that their party logistics company insured? Do they Mm -hmm. have insurance for your products? Have you asked for proof of those insurance? You know, things like that, making sure that if that third party logistics company were to go up in flames or just even close their doors, are you covered for that inventory? We try to mitigate some of the claim. We're looking for our seller's Reports, are they they hiring a third-party company to look through their products, making sure there's no lead, those kinds of things. So we're asking those types of questions up front to get them thinking, hey, maybe I don't have the right product 
sourcing and, and those types of things. So those are the types of things that we look at up front, analyzing those questions before they buy a policy instead of waiting until they try to move racking and screw things up. <laughs> you know, I want to just talk a little bit about that point you brought up about what happens if the product has contaminants or something in it that you just maybe don't know about. And so this is preemptively, right? And maybe the client can correct this before it even reaches the public, which, you know, really does save people in the long run too on a number of fronts, right? Like for your clients, because you're kind of bringing that up to them, that then they can go back to their suppliers and make sure that yeah. It's their products aren't including anything that could be dangerous to the ultimate consumer. And if there there is those types of things, there's insurance to cover. It's called recall insurance to get those products out of the hands of the consumers. So not only do we say, okay, if there is products in the hands of the consumers, we're going to pay to get those out of the hands of consumers, maybe refund those consumers so they don't sue. We might have to destroy those products. You might have some advertising costs to say, hey, there's been an issue with these types of items and getting those out. So knowing that those high-risk items are out there, letting them know that there is insurance for that type of stuff. So if there was an issue, they can get that out. You know what? And I had no idea that there was even such an insurance like that. So thank you for <laughs> sharing that. You have an easy bake oven. Yes. You have an easy bake oven. I had one as a child and my, my daughters did too. Did you get burned on the easy bake oven? No. Oh, okay. Well, I always did, but easy bake oven had a huge recall. A couple of years ago had a recall and they were, people were getting burned. The easy bake ovens were catching on fire and they had a huge, huge recall. So they recalled all of the items. They gave everyone like $32. Then they had to destroy it. So it cost them like $50 million to recall wow. this item and do all of that thing. Fortunately, they did have insurance. They had a recall policy. So they were able to pay for all of that stuff to get it back. But I mean, something is, you know, simple as like thinking like you're going to have to inform everyone who bought an Easy Bake Oven that there's a recall. And that cost a lot too. So just thinking about how to let people know that there's even been a recall. Mm, yeah, great point. Well, thank you so much, Ashlyn, for taking the time to educate us on all of these things. And I just, I know it isn't necessarily like the most exciting thing to talk about, but you make it so interesting because your heart is about educating and making sure that people are protected. And that really comes through. So, so thank you for sharing all of this with us. But before we go, I want to ask you, as I ask all of my guests, is there any books that you're reading or have read or any podcasts that you're listening to that you think that the listeners would find beneficial that you want to share with us? Yeah. So I just got finished with one and it's called Girl Stop Apologizing. <laughs> and her name was Rachel Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S, I think. Yes. Um, and it's all about like stop making excuses. I think us as women sometimes have a little bit harder time getting to where we want to go because we, I'm a mom, I'm busy, I have kids, I have a job or I have a husband who supports me or whatever it might be. And this is really made me stop and think like, there's no excuse. We can do whatever we want to reach our goals. So I really like that one. And I just bought You're a Badass 
<laughs> and then it's supposed to be like a motivational guide to like helping us reach our goals. I haven't read it yet, so I'll let you know how that one goes. But Girl, Stop Apologizing was really, really good. Yeah, for sure. I read that as well and just fantastic. And then Jensen Cero is your badass. She does all that, you know, badass series. And she's a fantastic writer as well. But, you know, you brought something up when you were talking about we can do things that we just don't think that we can do, you know, or maybe we're just not challenging or pushing ourselves because we're afraid. And then you were talking about the women who are helping you run your insurance mm -hmm. agency. And, and I want to come back to that real quick before we wrap okay. up. You have a staff of women who are at your company. And was that by design or was that by accident? And it, is there a reason for that? So you, you totally hit the nail on the head. As you could tell, I felt like held back as a woman sometimes. And, you know, that, that this was a man's industry and that those men will outsell you every day. I really, truly believe in women empowerment. And I believe when I was little, my dad always said, you could do anything that you set your mind to. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't do it. So it's not necessarily by design. I just, I look for very specific types of characteristics. And it seems to be that women have those. I'm looking for more collaborative and teamwork and empathy and this better customer experience and creativeness and a diverse perspective. So I, I just seem to move toward women. All of the women who work for me are either single mom or mom getting back into the workforce who have been out of the workforce force for a long time. Really just trying to provide opportunities for them to develop and get their skills so they can be a badass too. <laughs> that's excellent. Thank you for doing that. I think that's great. We do need, we need each other to support each other, right? Right. And it's just, it's everybody as a community in our local area, whatever, we need to support each other and we need to lift each other up. And I think that that's fantastic what you're doing. I love it. So let's go back now to the podcast. Is there any podcasts that you want to share with us? I'm not a huge podcaster because I live a mile from my office and a mile from the kids' school. But I do, when I do get in the car, I listen to how I built this every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Guy Raz, but I'm not a huge podcaster because I just am not in the car enough. Gotcha. Well, I'll include those in the show notes so that the listeners can go take a look and check those out. Because that's one that I don't think I've heard of. So I want to see for myself what that's all made of. But thank you for sharing those. Ashlyn, can you tell us if people have questions about insurance in general or something specific, how would they reach out to you? You know, is there a good point of contact that they could just say like, hey, I'm just not sure about this. What do I do? Yeah. If it's a quick question, like, hey, I'm looking at this car and I need to know what about, you can always find me on Facebook, Ashlyn D. Haddon, and you can shoot me a quick message. You can always email me, sales at Ashlyn Haddon Insurance. You can call the office, 765-432-8989. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I'm all over everywhere and I'm <laughs> totally reachable. My phone is on me all the time. So feel free to reach out any of those ways. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those, Ashlyn. I appreciate it. And thank you again for coming on the show taking your time to share with us 
and educate us on something that's really very important. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. Be sure to join us again next week for more great information designed to educate, inspire, and empower you to achieve your goals. And thanks again for listening. Thank you all for being here. I'm thrilled to have you join me for my new podcast. If you found this episode enjoyable, I'd love for you to show your support by following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback will not only help me improve, but it will also help others discover the content. Happy listening.